We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Away we go, episode 486 of the Al Galdi podcast. It is Monday, January 16th, 2023. It is Martin Luther King Jr. Day, 2023. A salute to the skies in honor of MLK. One of my favorite facts about Martin Luther King Jr. is that he was just 39 when he was assassinated. Yeah, that was it. 39. You are never too young to make a difference. You are never too young to affect change. Uh, People of all ages are capable of greatness. I mean, this guy was changing the country forever with things that he was doing in his 20s and 30s. Hello and welcome to this Monday installment of the Al Galdi podcast. How'd you like the first five games of our super wildcard weekend of the NFL playoffs. Don't say wildcard weekend. The NFL now wants you to say super wildcard weekend. Uh, The main event, certainly from our perspective as Commanders fans, is still to come. Uh, The Dallas Cowboys at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Monday night at 8.15. But boy, what a first five games that we have had uh, Saturday The San Francisco 49ers smashing the Seattle Seahawks 41-23 as the legend of Niners rookie quarterback, Mr. Irrelevant, Brock Purdy, grew even more. Uh, Saturday night, the Jacksonville Jaguars, an epic comeback win, overcame a 27-0 second quarter deficit in a 31-30 win over the Los Angeles Chargers, who continue to find new and creative ways to lose. I mean, the Chargers losing this game despite winning the turnover battle 5 nothing. I still can't believe that, uh, nor can I believe the announcing on NBC from Al Michaels and Tony Dungy. Has there ever been a more universally criticized broadcasting performance than what we got from Al and Tony on Saturday night. I got to tell you, I felt bad for them. I did. Uh, The low energy calls 
from the great Al Michaels. Uh, not exactly stellar. Uh, Sunday afternoon, the Buffalo Bills uh, nearly victimized by a, a stunning upset, but they did win a 34-31 win over quarterback Skylar Thompson and the Miami Dolphins, who overcame a 17-0 second quarter deficit. And then later on Sunday was what I know was a killer for me as a Commanders fan. The New York Giants, a 31-24 win at the Minnesota Vikings, whose pathetic defense, and I cannot emphasize that enough, pathetic defense got carved up by the Giants. It is shameful. It is criminal that the commanders in their home loss to the Vikings in week nine scored just 17 points. That was a 2017 loss in which the commanders blew a 17-7 fourth quarter lead. That Vikings defense is atrocious, and yet the commanders only scored 17 points against the Vikings. Uh, Giants quarterback Daniel Jones on Sunday at the Vikings, 24 of 35 for 301 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions. And he had 17 carries for 78 yards. Uh, did you see, by the way, what ESPN NFL analyst Mina Kimes tweeted on Sunday night? Quote, if the commanders want to roll with Howell, they should try to approximate the Giants offense would be a good fit for him. End quote. Uh, and yes, and yes, <laughs> Vikings quarterback and former Redskins quarterback, Kirk Cousins, a.k.a. Kirky, uh, he overall had a very good game, okay? I know people don't like to say that. He did have a very good game overall, uh, but, <laughs> but his final pass attempt, uh, not so good. A three-yard completion on fourth and eight. Yeah, you might want to try to throw at the sticks, maybe even beyond the sticks, on fourth and eight with your season on the line. I'm a little bit more process-oriented. That's right, Kirk. The process. The process will always guide you. The process will forever be your North Star. Uh, and then on Sunday night, the Cincinnati Bengals, a 24-17 win over the Baltimore Ravens, who are coming apart at the seams of the situation with quarterback Lamar Jackson is a mess. Not only did he not play in the game due to his knee injury, but he didn't even travel with the team. Uh, also, running back J.K. Dobbins after the game sounded off on his usage, uh, trending on Twitter late Sunday night slash early Monday morning, fire Roman, as in fire Ravens offensive coordinator Greg Roman. Uh, hey, maybe the commanders will hire him. And yes, speaking of the commanders, and I moments ago mentioned a certain name, Howell, as in Sam Howell. Uh, I have a lot of commander stuff for you on this show. There actually was a lot with the commanders over these last few days. Next segment, in-depth reaction to and analysis of the very surprising development on Saturday morning. Multiple reports that Sam Howell is positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Sam, I am. Isn't it something 
with a very good NFL regular season debut in a season-ending 26-6 win over the Cowboys at FedEx Field can do. Uh, gee, maybe just maybe the Commanders should have played them sooner. Uh, additionally, I have an update on the Commanders' search for a new offensive coordinator. Uh, we have multiple developments regarding the Commanders' ownership situation to discuss. Uh, and I have a proper salute to Commander Safety Jeremy Reeves, a.k.a. All-Pro Revo, who actually now is All-Pro. He was named to the Associated Press All-Pro First Team as its special teamer. Uh, also on the show, I'll talk college hoops. Uh, very disappointing performance by Maryland on Sunday. An 81-67 loss at Iowa, though number 13 Virginia over the weekend did win a 67-58 win at Florida State on Saturday. I'll discuss the Capitals, another regulation loss for them. Third one in four games, a 3-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. Although the Caps' lone goal was by winger Alex Ovechkin, what was another milestone goal for Ovi. Uh, that was his 30th goal of this regular season, marking his 17th 30-goal regular season and tying him with ex-cap Mike Gartner for the most 30-goal regular seasons in NHL history. The Great Eight continues to make NHL history. Uh, I also have a Wizards segment for you. Uh, they lost over the weekend as well, a 112-108 loss to the New York Knicks at Capital One Arena on Friday night. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Email from Jim D on the commander's quarterback situation, writes Jim, I am in agreement with the apparent decision to move forward with Sam Howell as QB1. In my opinion, there was too much there in the Dallas game to not at least give a little more exploration. I agree with you that the path forward for 2023 should be Howell, a cheap veteran, and the draft. I don't know if Taylor Heineke will decide to sign elsewhere off of Scott Turner getting booted, but I still would love to have Heineke stick around as that cheap bet. And if the draft is as quarterback rich as people are suggesting, then theoretically, the commanders don't necessarily have to go all in for a quarterback in round one. Perhaps use the 16th pick on an offensive lineman and wait until the later rounds to draft the quarterback. What say you? Uh, thank you again for all you do with your podcast. Uh, thank you for that, Jim. You know, a million things can and will change between now and the 2023 NFL draft, but as things stand now, the quarterback class for the 2023 draft is viewed as a big three and then everyone else. And the big three is comprised of Alabama's Bryce Young, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, and Kentucky's Will Levis. And by the way, not necessarily in that order, ESPN NFL draft analyst Mel Kuyper Jr. in his 2023 draft big board that came out on December 29th had Levis as the top quarterback in the draft. But all three of those guys right now appear to be slam dunks to go in the top 10, if not top five. But there are other very intriguing quarterbacks in this draft. Uh, Florida's Anthony Richardson, uh, Tennessee's Hendon Hooker, who transferred to Tennessee for, from, yes, Virginia Tech. Uh, BYU's Jaron Hall. How do the commanders end up feeling about those guys and other quarterbacks in the draft? Uh, how available are those guys and the other quarterbacks in the draft to the commanders with that number 16 overall pick in the draft? To me, everything with the commanders 2023 draft starts with the quarterbacks, starts with the view 
of the quarterbacks and the availability of the quarterbacks. And then you worry about everything else. But with the offensive line, the commanders absolutely need to rebuild it. There's no question about that. The team's offensive line this season was a huge disappointment and arguably the biggest weakness on the team. I may be in the minority on this, but I believe that if the commander's offensive line this season had been as good as Washington's offensive line was last season, the commanders would have made the playoffs this season. Uh, And speaking of the playoffs, uh, email from Joel Charney on San Francisco 49ers head coach and former Redskins Offensive coordinator Kyle Shanahan uh, writes, Joel, love the chat with Kevin Sheehan the other day. The two of you have such great rapport. You should have Kevin on a regular basis, maybe once a month. Uh, Thank you for that, Joel. Continues, Joel, I watched the 49ers Seahawks game on Saturday and was just in awe of what Kyle Shanahan has done with the 49ers offense. It is truly a thing of beauty. His design is so creative and varied and gets his skill players so wide open, it's scary. From the opening snap, everyone was running free. And if Brock Purdy had not been off at the outset, it might have been more of a blowout. Then I read that the commanders are considering people like Pat Shermer, Ken Zampezi, and Jim Caldwell for the team's offensive coordinator position. Uh, they do not strike me as Shanahan-level offensive genius types. I would love to see the commander skill players like Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dodson, and Antonio Gibson in a Shanahan-designed offense. No ground and pound. Uh, Thank you for the email, Joel. Yeah, unfortunately, uh, at least if you go by the comments of head coach Ron Rivera and general manager Martin Mayhew at their joint season-ending press conference last Tuesday morning, we should be expecting a whole lot of ground and a whole lot of pound uh, from the commander's offense in the 2023 season. Not that ground and pound is some wretched thing, but as we had discussed, the most reliable path to success in today's NFL is passing offense. Kyle Shanahan is great. Uh, There's no doubt that he can rub people the wrong way. There's no doubt that there is an arrogance to him, but he is an excellent offensive mind that he has the Niners doing as they're doing, despite them being not just on their QB3, but on a QB3 who is a rookie and who is Mr. Irrelevant of the 2022 NFL draft, who was taken with the last pick in the 2022 draft is incredible and is such a credit to Kyle as a coach. Although I tell you, this Brock Purdy situation, does it not remind you at least a little bit of Tom Brady with the New England Patriots in 2001? I mean, I don't want to go too crazy with Purdy, okay? But his stunning success, which now includes postseason success, to me, is reminiscent of the rise of Tom Brady in the 2001 season. And if Purdy keeps doing well and the Niners keep winning, how can they continue down the path of Trey Lance as their QB1? Well, like Brock Purdy, the law firm of Paulson and Nace continues to come through, continues to come through for victims of all kinds of negligence. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. Paulson and Ace is a Washington, D.C.-based family law firm that handles medical malpractice, personal injury, birth injury, legal malpractice, and consumer protection cases offering aggressive advocacy for victims in Washington, D.C. and West Virginia. Call 202-902-7611. And when you call, make sure that you tell Paulson and Ace that Al Galdi sent you. Paulson and Ace treats its clients with respect 
and dignity. And once what is best for the firm's clients, Paulson and Nace will treat you, your family, and your situation with the care and expertise that you deserve. Uh, Paulson and Nace is excellent at what it does. Paulson and Nace has recovered millions of dollars for the sick and injured. Heck, this past July, Paulson and Nace won a case for which the United States government must pay nearly $1.8 million. Paulson and Nace took on the U.S. government and won. If you have a case, contact Paulson and Nace. If you feel that you've been wronged, if you think that you've been wronged but aren't sure, call Polson and Nason schedule a no-obligation appointment. Call 202-902-7611. That's 202-902-7611. And when you call, tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. You can also visit polsonandnace.com. That's polsonandnace.com. And don't forget to tell Polson and Nace that Al Galdi sent you. Polson and Nace, when tragedy happens, let the family of Polson and Nace Take care of your family. Well, the fun is just beginning with Commander's news and developments this offseason. No podcast or show covers the Commanders like the Al Galdi podcast. Grow your business or practice by advertising on the Al Galdi podcast. Have your message heard each episode by thousands of people in the Washington, D.C. area at a very affordable price. Hit us up, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. We have had Rod Rivera as Washington head coach long enough to know that he changes his messaging, if not his mind, (laughs) quite a bit. Uh, So just because something is a certain way now doesn't guarantee that that something will be that way, say, a month from now. That said, we on Saturday morning got news that, to me, is very encouraging. We on Saturday morning had multiple reports that Sam Howell is positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. Now, this doesn't mean that he's guaranteed to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season. This means that the working idea is that he will be the team's QB1 for the 2023 season. In other words, things could change, but it doesn't sound like the team is going to go out of its way for things to change. And at the very least, Sam Howell is going to have a very legitimate chance of earning the team's starting quarterback job for the 2023 season. The story was broken by NFL insider Jonathan Jones of CBS Sports, who in a piece wrote, quote, the Washington Commanders are in search of a new offensive coordinator in the days following the firing of Scott Turner. And according to sources, the Commanders are letting potential candidates know who their likely starting quarterback in 2023 will be. Sam Howell, who started and won the 17th game of the season for Washington, is expected to be QB1 when the commanders begin off-season work in the new league year. That would seemingly take the commanders both out of the running for a veteran in the trade market and using their number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft on a rookie, end quote. Okay. I mean, all of that seems pretty straightforward and pretty clear-cut. 
Because if you're talking about who the QB1 will be when the commanders begin their offseason work in the new league year, you're talking about in the middle of April, i.e. a month after the NFL new league year has started, i.e. a month after free agency and the trading period have begun, i.e. a month after the commanders could have officially made a move for a veteran quarterback. Now, we did then get some clarification from those who cover the commanders. Uh, Commanders insider Ben Standig of The Athletic on Saturday morning tweeted, quote, "Uh, the commanders telling potential OC candidate Sam Howell is the likely 2023 QB1. My understanding, Washington is letting some know that while evaluating options, for now, looking at entering the offseason with Howell as QB1, he has to win it. Other doors could open, end quote. Commanders insider John Keim of ESPN on Saturday morning tweeted, quote, here's what I know about Sam Howell and QB1. Enters the offseason this way, but he still has to secure the job. Other options will be discussed as well. In other words, long way to go, but he's starting from a good place, end quote. There's also this. So we, of course, have the commander's offensive coordinator vacancy. Commander's insider Nikki Javala of the Washington Post on Saturday morning tweeted that former Cleveland Browns and former New York Giants head coach Pat Shermer is a candidate for the commander's offensive coordinator job and that an important factor is developing young quarterbacks. So you think about that. If the commanders are planning on acquiring a veteran QB1, uh, why would the new offensive coordinator being good at developing young quarterbacks matter all that much? Like, why would that be the case if the commander's quarterback plan for 2023 didn't have at least a decent chance, if not a good chance, of including Sam Howell as the QB1? And you also could say, hey, the plan could be to have a rookie quarterback as the QB1. Yeah, but the idea is a young quarterback. Uh, Also, by the way, we over the course of Friday and Saturday had multiple reports that former Indianapolis Colts and former Detroit Lions head coach Jim Caldwell has turned down a commander's request uh, to interview for their offensive coordinator vacancy uh, due to wanting to pursue head coaching opportunities. But with Sam Howell, again, things could change, okay? Especially knowing (laughs) how Ron Rivera is and has been. However, the notion that the commanders view Sam Howell as just a backup quarterback, the notion that the commanders this offseason are dead set on making some big move for some big name at quarterback, as was the case last offseason, the notions appear to be false. And all of this, my friends, is very encouraging. And all of this is very encouraging for two main reasons. Number one, Sam Howell being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season is very encouraging because it suggests that the team is both high on and encouraged by Sam. If the team didn't think much of Sam and or had not been impressed by what it had seen from Sam, then these reports that came out on Saturday morning would have never come out. The team has not had 
to tell offensive coordinator candidates about its thinking at quarterback. The team could have been vague about that thinking. The team also could have made it clear that it would be looking to make a major move at quarterback. Instead, the team has been telling offensive coordinator candidates that Sam Howell is positioned to be the QB1 for the 2023 season. Why would the team be saying that if the team wasn't truly thinking that? And understand this, those tweets from people who cover the commanders in response to the initial report from Jonathan Jones, those tweets all came out at more or less the same time, which tells me that the sourcing for those tweets was the same, which suggests to me that the sourcing was Ron Rivera. So while he made it clear to the beat reporters that he's not anointing Sam Howell as the QB1 or is simply handing Sam Howell the starting quarterback job, Ron did confirm that, yeah, Sam is being positioned to be that guy. He has to earn it, but he very much is going to have the chance to earn it. The second reason that Sam Howell being positioned to be the commander's QB1 for the 2023 season is very encouraging is that This suggests that some panic short-term move at quarterback for the 2023 season isn't coming. We're not doing the Carson Wentz trade again. We're not doing some, oh my gosh, we've got to do something move at quarterback in order to save Rod Rivera's job. This is a good thing. Look, maybe if the commanders traded for Las Vegas Raiders quarterback Derek Carr, he would come here and be great, okay? And hey, maybe the commanders still end up trading for Derek Carr or end up signing him as an unrestricted free agent if he ends up being released by the Raiders. Who knows? Again, Ron changes his mind. But if Washington is really, truly, finally going to fix its decades-long quarterback problem, the way to fix that is through the NFL draft and not necessarily the 2023 draft, maybe the 2022 draft in which the team, of course, got Sam Howell in the fifth round. Now, I still think that the commanders should be in on taking a quarterback in the 2023 draft. Sam Howell working out is far from a guarantee. And when you are a franchise quarterback needy team, as the commanders are, you need to constantly be searching for a franchise quarterback and constantly be taking swings on quarterbacks in drafts until you find your franchise guy. But the commanders with the number 16 overall pick in the 2023 draft are not in position to take one of the top three quarterbacks in the draft, at least not as things stand now. And so maybe it is that the commanders like Sam Howell more than they like any of the rest of the quarterbacks in the 2023 draft. Once you get beyond the presumed top three of Alabama's Bryce Young, Ohio State's C.J. Stroud, and Kentucky's Will Levis. And again, this is encouraging that the commanders are liking what they're seeing from Sam Howell. You know, all we saw was what he did in the season-ending 26-6 route of the Dallas Cowboys at FedEx Field now two Sundays ago. The commanders have been seeing this guy up close for months now. The commanders are going to be releasing Carson Wentz. Uh, That's going to open up a lot of salary cap space. A 2023 commanders offseason in which the team re-signs interior defensive lineman Deron Payne, re-signs 
linebacker Cole Holcomb, signs edge defender Montez Sweat, and safety Cameron Curl to contract extensions and rebuilds the offensive line. How does that sound? Building up the rest of the team, fortifying the rest of the team. Not bad, right? Well, the team potentially can do all of those things by releasing Carson and by going with a quarterback plan of Sam Howell, a rookie, and a relatively cheap veteran, maybe even a re-signed Taylor Heineke, although, as I've said, I'm not feeling super bullish on him re-signing with the team, but who knows? And if Sam does not work out, okay, if Sam falls on his face, you do have other options, and you can take a quarterback in the 2024 NFL draft. But if Sam does work out, think about how awesome that would be. Not just him being a quality NFL quarterback, but him being on a rookie contract for a fifth round pick. Do you know what Sam Howell's salary cap hits are for the remaining three seasons on his rookie contract? 2023, a salary cap hit of $960,400. 2024, a salary cap hit of $1.075 million. 2025, a salary cap hit of $1.19 million. Imagine if that guy with that contract truly was the guy. A total and complete game changer on multiple levels. Just like the Hiatus app. (laughs) Hiatus is a personal financial management app that allows you to take full control of your money. If you want to get a better handle on where your money is going, if you want to get your bills, utilities, and subscriptions organized, download the Hiatus app. It's great. Uh, Hiatus allows you to see all of your subscriptions in one place and lets you cancel the ones that you don't want or need in just a few taps. Hiatus can alert you if any of your monthly bills, like your cell phone bill or internet bill, are negotiable and has an in-house team that actually can negotiate and lower those bills for you. Uh, Download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. There's no cost to downloading the app. Download it and see what it can do for you. Again, download the Hiatus app from the App Store, from Google Play, or by going to hiatus.app. Hiatus, take control of your money. Well, make sure to hit the subscribe button if you're not already subscribed to the Al Galdi podcast. Subscribing costs you nothing. Uh, also, please consider rating and reviewing the podcast. You on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify can rate the podcast. Five-star ratings are very much appreciated. And you on Apple Podcasts can write a review saying that you like the podcast. Or the review can be just a sentence or two. can be longer if you like, but uh, doesn't have to be. And thank you for doing the ratings and the reviews. We have several items regarding the sale of the Commanders to Get To report from Sports Business Insider and friend of the Al Galdi podcast, AJ Perez of Front Office Sports on Sunday afternoon, that Amazon founder Jeff Bezos did not place a bid for the Commanders prior to the deadline for the first round of bids. Uh, That deadline was on December 23rd, writes Perez, quote, minus Bezos, none 
of the half dozen bids submitted before the first round deadline on December 23rd for the commanders came exceeded $6.3 billion, a source said. And quote, and then Perez outlines two main reasons for why none of the bids exceeded $6.3 billion when the expectation had been that the bids were well north of $7 billion. Uh, One reason, writes Perez, quote, Bezos didn't come strong with a huge number, setting up a situation where he'd initiate an early bidding war, sources told front office sports, end quote. And then a second reason that Perez outlines is, quote, the same sources said other billionaires interested in the commanders have realized that getting public financing for a new stadium could be difficult. A dome stadium like the one Snyder had plans to build was estimated at $3 billion. End quote. So we had that. Then in response to this report were the following tweets from Commander's Insider J.P. Finley of NBC Sports Washington on Sunday afternoon. Uh, One tweet, quote, not only was I told Bezos didn't submit a bid, I've had people tell me the Snyder family has absolutely no interest in selling it to Bezos, end quote. Another tweet, quote, no Bezos doesn't mean no sale. In fact, I heard today from a source close to the situation that it will be over soon, end quote. So a lot to digest there. Uh, first of all, it will be over soon. (laughs) That is outstanding news, if that turns out to be the case. Uh, Second of all, the why behind Jeff Bezos not submitting a bid before that first round deadline on December 23rd is key. Did Bezos not submit a bid because the Snyders really, truly are freezing him out from buying the team uh, due to him owning the Washington Post, with which Dan Snyder has feuded for years. I mean, it would be peak Dan to potentially cost himself a billion dollars or more in the sale of the team just because out of spite, he doesn't want to sell the team to Jeff Bezos. That's pretty funny. That is peak Dan when you think about that. Or did Bezos, for some reason, choose not to bid? And might Bezos still get involved in the bidding for the commanders. You know, A.J. Perez's report does say that Bezos, having not partaken in the first round of bidding, does not necessarily mean that he will not be bidding on the team. Uh, Meantime, Dallas Cowboys owner, president, and general manager Jerry Jones distanced himself from commander's co-owner and co-CEO Dan Snyder in a piece by NFL columnist Jared Bell of USA Today Sports on Friday morning. Uh, I cannot stand the Cowboys. I hope like heck that the Cowboys lose at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on Monday night in the final game of the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. But the most powerful owner in the NFL is Jerry Jones. Uh, the Cowboys have been ranked by Forbes as the most valuable team in the NFL in each of the last 14 years. 14 years! Uh, And so the support of Jerry Jones in league matters, matters, uh, matters a lot. Uh, Dan Snyder has looked up to Jerry Jones for years. Dan has wanted to be like Jerry 
for years. But the Dan Snyder-Jerry Jones relationship has become especially interesting in recent months. ESPN on October 13th came out with that explosive piece regarding Dan Snyder. Headline, Sources, Commander's Boss Snyder Claims Dirt on NFL Owners Goodell. Among the many items in the piece was this, quote, one owner was told by Snyder directly that he has dirt on Jerry Jones, a team source told ESPN, though the nature of the information was unclear. Another source confirmed that Snyder has told a confidant that he has a file on Jones, the Dallas Cowboys owner who has served as Snyder's friend, mentor, and longtime firewall of support. End quote. Well, perhaps the firewall has come tumbling down. Jones, in these quotes to USA Today Sports, very much distanced himself from Dan Snyder. Uh, said Jerry of his relationship with Dan, quote, I would say we've had to be more formal in our conversations. We're not as cavalier as we might have been. Follow me? Don't know who's listening. Who's what? So we've had to be more formal, end quote. Very interesting, right? I mean, that would seem to have been a reference to what was in the ESPN piece, this idea that Dan has told a confidant that he has a file on Jerry, and so Jerry is being especially careful about what he says to Danny. Maybe Jerry thinks that Danny's wired up. Who knows? <laughs> uh, said Jerry regarding Dan potentially selling the commanders, quote, he's got the perfect storm. If he decided to move on, who could possibly blame him or her? On top of that, he's not the most beloved guy around, which I guess I might identify with a bit too, end quote. So Jerry right there making it clear that he would understand if Dan sold the commanders. And of course, it appears that Dan is in the process of selling the commanders. What you did not get right there was Jerry discouraging Dan from selling the team. Uh, How about this? Said Jerry regarding sticking up for Dan. Quote, is he worth me taking a sword? He's not Al Davis. For me, he's not end quote. I mean, more clear that could not be. Jerry making it crystal clear that he's not falling on a sword for Dan Snyder. Uh, Also, Jerry regarding Dan emphasized business. Quote, my main thing about Washington is that I don't want to do damage to the ability to attract capital. With sponsors alone, you want people to stand in line to be associated with the team There are a lot of natural things that will occur on their own if you don't mess it up, end quote. So that was Jerry referencing Washington's many problems in recent seasons, selling tickets and keeping and attracting sponsors. And, you know, Jerry saying something like, quote, there are a lot of natural things that will occur on their own if you don't mess it up, end quote, seemed to be Jerry saying, Dan has messed it up. And of course, he has. Uh, these comments from Jerry Jones are significant, very significant, because they reek of Dan no longer having Jerry's support. That is a huge deal. And this may well be a big part of why Dan decided to sell the team. Do you remember the photo 
from earlier this season. We on October 2nd in the hours leading up to the Commanders' 25-10 loss at the Cowboys that afternoon had Dan Snyder on the field at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas. Noted recluse Dan Snyder on the field at AT AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, openly talking with Jerry Jones. And we also had the taking of a photo of Dan, Jerry, Commander's co-owner and co-CEO Tanya Snyder and the Commander's team president Jason Wright. And what seems obvious now is that Dan uncharacteristically being out in the open like that was Dan trying to communicate to the rest of the NFL that Jerry still was on the side of the Danny. Uh, Dan knew that that ESPN piece was coming, and it did come 11 days after this photo was taken. But if we know one thing about Jerry Jones, it's that his loyalty ultimately is not to Dan Snyder or to any other NFL owner. Uh, Jerry's loyalty ultimately is to, yes, money. Dala, dala bill, y'all. As Wu-Tang Clan told us many years ago, cream, C-R-E-A-M, cream, cash rules everything around me. I'm not sure if Jerry would have fit in with the Wu, but you get the idea. Maybe Jerry was an honorary member of the Wu. But always remember, NFL owners, not NFL commissioner Roger Goodell, truly run the NFL. The NFL owners are like the mafia. When you're in, you're in. You are protected. You are a made guy. But when you are out, you are out and you are done. And if there is a Don of the mafia that is NFL owners, uh, that Don is Jerry Jones. And if he's out on you, then you're truly done. And these comments from Jerry Jones sure seem to suggest that he's out on Dan Snyder. Well, Jerry may be out on Dan, but you should be in on buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area with real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Uh, That's because he can help you take advantage of the current Washington, D.C. area real estate market. Uh, The current market offers great opportunity. Uh, Yes, mortgage rates have gone up, but that has led to an increase in housing inventory, and that increase is driving down prices. You right now can get really good homes in the Washington, D.C. area at bargain prices. And remember, you could always refinance once the mortgage rates come back down, and they will come back down. And so if you or someone who you know is interested in buying a home in the Washington, D.C. area, contact real estate agent Kellen Hunt. Visit closeitwithkell.com. That's closeitwithkell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Kellen Hunt has his finger on the pulse of developments all around the D.C. area. He is a DMV native. He lives and breathes the culture. He has a wealth of knowledge when it comes to local neighborhoods and economical development and schools and market conditions and all that makes the Washington, D.C. area unique. And Kellen Hunt closes deals. He wins. He is here for you to listen to what you want and then get you what you want. No matter your age, family situation, or financial situation, Kellen Hunt can help you. He is a real estate agent for real people, and Kellen Hunt is willing to put a portion of his commission back 
in your pocket. Who doesn't want some extra money right now? Give it inflation. Kellen Hunt knows what buyers like you are facing, and he wants to help. So visit CloseItWithKell.com. That's CloseItWithKell, K-E-L-L.com. Book a call with Kellen Hunt to discuss your real estate needs and make sure that you tell Kel that Al Galdi sent you. Visit CloseItWithKell.com. See what Kellen Hunt can do for you by booking an introductory call with Kellen Hunt at CloseItWithKell.com. If you are trying to buy a home in the Washington, D.C. area, you will do well by going with Kell. Visit CloseItWithKell.com and tell Kell that Al Galdi sent you. Uh, one more thing on the Commanders before we get to the rest of our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend. Jeremy Reeves, a.k.a. All-Pro Revo. He actually ended up being an All-Pro. Uh, Commander Safety Jeremy Reeves on Friday was named the Associated Press's All-Pro First Team as its special teamer. A tremendous accomplishment. Uh, Reeves became the second Washington player in three seasons to be named to an Associated Press All-Pro First Team. Uh, right guard Brandon Sheriff was voted to the Associated Press's All-Pro First Team for the 2020 season. That ended an incredible drought. Washington had not had an All-Pro First Team selection since punter Matt Turk for the 1996 season. Uh, running back Brian Mitchell was an All-Pro First Team selection as a returner for the 1995 season. Punter Reggie Roby made the All-Pro First Team for the 1994 season, but Sheriff was Washington's first player to be first team All-Pro on offense or defense since linebacker Wilbur Marshall for the 1992 season. So for Washington, zero Associated Press All-Pro first team selections from 1997 through 2019, but now two Associated Press All-Pro first team selections over the last Three seasons. Uh, Jeremy Reeves now has received a number of honors in recent weeks for his special teams work this season. Uh, Reeves on December 21st was named to the NFC Pro Bowl team as its special teamer. And as you may remember, we had that great video that the commanders put out of head coach Ron Rivera informing Reeves that he had been named to the NFC Pro Bowl team as its special teamer. Uh, Reeves on January 11th was named one of two core teamers on the NFL Players Association's first ever Players All-Pro First Team, and Reeves on Friday was named to the Associated Press's All-Pro First Team as its special teamer. Uh, Reeves for the 2022 regular season was tied for fifth in the NFL in special teams tackles with 10, and Reeves, as the season went on, became known as All-Pro Revo, even before he made the Associated Press's All-Pro First Team. So the nickname ended up being a self-fulfilling prophecy. Uh, the Jeremy Reeves journey is remarkable. Reeves entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of South Alabama with the Philadelphia Eagles in April 2018. The Redskins signed him to their practice squad in September 2018, promoted him to their active roster in December 2018. Reeves was cut by Washington, and it's cut down to 53 for each of the next three seasons. 2019 through 2021, but he was signed back to the team's practice squad to begin each season. But this season was different. Reeves made the commander's initial 53-man roster for the 2022 season, and he ended up having this, like, dream special team season. 
Uh, remember, too, that Reeves did end up being a hero for Washington in its 2020 NFC East winning season. Washington, on October 27, 2020, promoted Reeves from the practice squad to the active roster as the corresponding roster moved to placing safety Landon Collins on the reserve injured list due to his ruptured Achilles tendon. Uh, you probably remember the circumstances of this. Ron Rivera chose to promote Reeves from the practice squad as opposed to signing former Carolina Panthers safety Eric Reed, who was an unrestricted free agent and who played for Ron during his time as Panthers head coach. I mean, think about that. Jeremy Reeves got the nod from Ron over a former Panther. How significant is that? Uh, Reeves in the 2020 season started each of Washington's last three regular season games and started the 31-23 loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at FedEx Field in the wild card round of the NFL playoffs. Uh, Reeves for the 2020 regular season registered an overall grade for pro football focus of 81.2. PFF grades are on a scale of 0 to 100 and Reeves in the 2020 season made some big plays. Uh, you go back to the 2014 win at the Eagles on Sunday Night Football in Week 17 of the 2020 season to clinch the NFC East. Reeves in that game played on 100% of Washington's defensive snaps and had an interception. He on the first offensive drive for the Eagles with former Skins quarterback Nate Sudfeld at quarterback had a fourth quarter third and six interception. Uh, the loss to the Bucks in the playoffs, uh, Reeves blocked an extra point attempt. Uh, he blocked kicker Ryan Suckup's extra point attempt that followed quarterback Tom Brady's first quarter third and three 36-yard touchdown bomb to receiver Antonio Brown, keeping the Bucks lead on Washington at 9-0. So a salute to Jeremy Reeves. Uh, he this season has received a lot of praise and has gotten a lot of attention, but justifiably so. You know, the commanders for the 2022 regular season were number seven in the NFL in special teams efficiency per Football Outsiders DVOA metric. The commanders special teams this season were very good, and Jeremy Reeves was a big part of that. Up next, we begin diving into the non-commander's items from our Washington, D.C. area sports weekend, including a tough loss for Maryland basketball and still to come, more greatness from the Great Aid Capitals winger Alex Ovechkin. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Let's talk some college basketball. Maryland on Sunday played a game for the first time since the Terrapins' great win the previous Sunday afternoon, an 80-73 win over then-number 24 Ohio State at Xfinity Center in College Park, Maryland. But the Terps on Sunday lost. Uh, they fell to 11-6 and overall and 2-4 and in the Big Ten with an 81-67 loss at Iowa. Uh, Maryland now is just 3-6 and since its 8-0 start. Uh, the Terps began the game on a 4-0 run, blew that lead, and then trailed for the rest of the game. Uh, the Terps in the first half trailed by as many as 16 points. The Terps began the second half on an 8-0 run to get to within two points at 43-41, but then lost the rest of the game. 38-26. Just not enough firepower on the Terps. Uh, They had zero transition points to Iowa's 15. The Terps allowed Iowa to go 6-14 of on threes and 27-41 on twos. And the Terps went just 5-16 of on threes and 23-43 on twos. Not a single Terps player had more than one made three. Uh, Two Terps who played well were Jameer Young and Dante Scott. Young in 34 minutes as a starter. Went just 1 of 4 on threes, but also 7 of 13 on twos and 3 of 4 on free throws. He finished with 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 3 assists versus 1 turnover. Dante Scott, 35 minutes as a starter. Went 1 of 2 on threes and 6 of 10 on twos. He finished with 15 points and 11 rebounds, including 6 offensive boards. He also had 1 assist versus two turnovers. Uh, Also, 6'9", Julian Reese, he in 26 minutes as a starter committed four turnovers. Uh, Way too many turnovers for a big man. He went 5 of 8 from the field, all twos, and 0 of 1 on free throws. He finished with 10 points, six rebounds, including two offensive boards and two assists. You know, I would say that Julian Reese is coming along, but he's still not where you need him to be. This is a guy who was a four-star recruit out of St. Francis Academy in Baltimore, Maryland. Uh, he has the ability to be a force, uh, but he pretty clearly is not at that point yet. Next up for Maryland, home to Michigan, Thursday night at 7, and yes, that would be the same Michigan team that humiliated the Terps on New Year's Day uh, when the Terps lost at the Wolverines, 81-46, a 35-point loss, what was the Terps' worst loss in Big Ten play since joining the conference. Uh, Neither Georgetown nor Virginia Tech played over the weekend, but Virginia did play, and it won. Uh, Number 13, Virginia improved to 13-3 overall and and 5-2 in the ACC with a 67-58 win at Florida State on Saturday. A convincing win for the Cavaliers. Uh, They led by 16 points in the second half. Cavs defense was very good. Cavs held FSU to just 58 points, just 5 of 19 on threes, and just 16 of 34 on twos. Uh, The Wahoos had a bizarre game offensively. Who's went just 16 of 38 on twos and totaled just three free throw attempts the entire game. Uh, The Who's went two of three on free throws, but the Who's also went 11 of 22 on threes and committed just six turnovers. That was it. Uh, No UVA player had more than one turnover. Uh, FSU actually only committed nine turnovers, but geez, six turnovers for Virginia the entire game. Terrific game for Armand Franklin. He, in 32 minutes, 56 seconds as a starter, went four of seven on threes and four of six on twos. He finished with 20 points 
and seven rebounds. You know, Franklin in UVA's 66-64 loss at then number 22 Miami on December 20th had a really rough game. He went scoreless on 0-7 shooting, but he since then has been very good. Uh, this was UVA head coach Tony Bennett during his postgame press conference on Saturday evening on Armand Franklin. He's freed up, you know, some of the things we're trying to do for, for just some of the things we're running offensively. There's just, I think it's a little more, um, fits him better. And and he's he's got a freedom about it when a shot's there. He's being aggressive and hunting the catches, the shots, um, and just, you know, doing well. And then he's rebounding for us, too. That's what I like. And he's just, he's come back since the Miami game, and I think he's really taken a step um, and helped us out. So, again... I like uh, the opportunities he's getting in terms of being assertive offensively, and, you know, it's kind of coming together for him. Yeah, additionally, we on Saturday saw a significant change in Tony Bennett's starting lineup, and we, in fact, saw two key UVA frontcourt players not play much. Uh, 6'11", Caden Shedrick, he came off the bench as opposed to starting, and he played for just Five minutes, 10 seconds as a reserve. A 6'8 Ohio graduate student transfer, Ben Vanderplas, started. Uh, he played for 34 minutes, 10 seconds as a starter. He went 3 of 6 on threes and 3 of 5 on twos. He finished with 15 points, 7 rebounds, and 3 assists versus 1 turnover. Also, 6'6 Jaden Gardner played for just 18 minutes, 45 seconds as a starter. Uh, he finished with just three points, three rebounds, and three fouls. Uh, Gardner now, over his last four games, has totaled just 20 points and just 10 rebounds. I mean, Jaden Gardner for the 2021-2022 season led UVA in points per game at 15.3 and led UVA in rebounds per game at 6.4. But he's struggling right now, and his playing time has dipped down significantly. Uh, next up for Virginia, home to Virginia Tech. Wednesday night at 7. We move now to the Capitals. They on Monday night will begin a stretch of three games in four days. Uh, the Caps on Monday night are at the New York Islanders at 7.30. And what is a significant game from a standing standpoint? The Caps are three points ahead of the Islanders for the top wildcard spot in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Caps played just one game over the weekend, and uh, the result was a loss. Uh, the Caps fell to 23-16-6 with a 3-1 loss to the Philadelphia Flyers at Capital One Arena on Saturday night. This was the Caps' third regulation loss in four games off the team having suffered just one regulation loss over the previous 15 games. Things are a little strange for the Caps right now. They're working back center Nicholas Backstrom and Tom Wilson uh, back into the lineup off. Each guy having not made his season debut until the one nothing win over the Columbus Blue Jackets at Capital One Arena now two Sunday evenings ago, January 8th. And the Caps have looked a little discombobulated. Uh, head coach Peter Laviolette is trying to figure stuff out. Uh, some notable Caps have been healthy scratches lately. Uh, winger Anthony Mantha was a healthy scratch for two consecutive games. Center Dylan Strome was a healthy scratch for Saturday night. Uh, the Caps do remain without defenseman John Carlson and forwards Connor Brown and Carl Haglund due to injury. But the team has gotten healthier. And, you know, now it's just a matter of seeing exactly how the pieces fit. Uh, this was Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference Saturday night on what went into the decision to scratch Dylan Strome, who for this regular season is number three on the Caps in points 
at 31. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Tom Galitti of NHL.com. Dylan's played great for us, so you know he'll be back in there. It's just these are these are tough decisions. I have to keep a a balanced lineup in there. I've got to keep face-off guys in there. I've got to keep penalty kill guys in there. Um, you know he's done a good job. He'll be back in. We always say you know it's a good problem to have when you have 14 healthy fours, but is it kind of maybe yeah. not not a great problem at this hey, point? Listen, it is what it is. If it you know if we didn't have those players at the beginning of the season, we might not be sitting in the position that we're in. They the, the guys that we signed came in and did a terrific job. We now have some guys back from injury, and we're trying to integrate that. And uh, it's. Um, you know, guys, when they get the opportunity, they they go in there and they're going to go in there and, and play hard. But when they come out, it's not necessarily because um, they needed to come out. He's played he's played well for us this year. Where do you see? It's been three games spread out over a week. But where do you see Tom and Tom and Nick's games right now? Through those three games, does it, does it feel almost like they're trying to go into their pre preseason while everyone's just trying to play their games here? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I uh, that's that's to be expected. I thought I noticed them both more tonight. I noticed Nick tonight, and I noticed Tom more tonight. I think that'll probably be the gradual progression of it. Um, you know, I, I think it's unfair to expect them to jump in on game one after both having, you know, a pretty big procedure done, no training camp, no game time, and then expecting game one that they're going to be at peak performance. And so it's going to take time for, I think, for them to continue to grow. But there's been growth inside the games for me uh, where I've noticed them more. I thought Tom could have had a couple goals tonight. Yeah, now this 3-1 loss to the Flyers on Saturday night was a bizarro game. The Caps obliterated the Flyers in the puck possession battle and yet scored just one goal. Uh, The Caps per natural stat trick had 69 5-on-5 shot attempts to the Flyers' 35, including 17 5-on-5 high-danger shot attempts to the Flyers' 7. Uh, The Caps totaled 40 shots on goal to the Flyers' 25, And yet, (laughs) the Caps scored just one goal. Uh, And the difference, in a lot of ways, was goaltending. Uh, Flyers goaltender Carter Hart was great. He stopped 39 of the 40 shots on goal that he faced. And Caps goaltender Darcy Kemper was not at his best. He stopped just 22 of the 25 shots on goal that he faced. Uh, This was Peter Laviolette during his postgame press conference on Saturday night on what was missing for the Caps in their offensive zone chances. And then you'll hear a follow-up exchange with Caps insider Tarek El-Bashir of The Athletic. Probably just the finish, I think, more than anything. You know, there was a lot of looks tonight. Um, Their goalie made some big saves, but just the finish, I think, probably more... You look back on it, and we got to capitalize on some of those chances. How frustrating is it when you do dominate offensive zone possession time the way you did tonight? And- yeah, I mean, it's. Uh, I, I thought our guys played hard. I, I, you know, you look back at the game, and there's there's a three minute stretch that you look back at and say, well, we made a couple of big defensive mistakes. Other than that, defensively, I thought we were pretty good. And, um, but. You know, they've got some skilled players over there, and you make those mistakes, they end up in the back of your net. So um, it just seemed like you know, we were chasing again. They they get score right off on the power play real quick, chase the game, playing pretty good. And then again, just a, we have a blip for three minutes where they go bang, bang with a couple goals, and now we're chasing it again and pushing and pressing. And um, But, I, you know, if we can we do a better job capitalizing on some of those chances. 
Yeah, as you could tell, Peter Laviolette really not that mad at his caps for what went down on Saturday night, and he shouldn't have been mad. I mean, you have 69 five-on-five shot attempts to your opponent's 35. You normally win. If you have a near two-to-one five-on-five shot attempt advantage on your opponent, you're going to win more often than not. Uh, The Caps on Saturday night went just 2 of 3 on the penalty kill and 0 of 3 on the power play. But as for the Caps' lone goal on Saturday night, winger Alex Ovechkin scored an unassisted first period even strength goal. He also had a game-high 5 shots on goal and a game-high 15 total shot attempts. And the Alex Ovechkin goal was yet another milestone goal. Ovechkin's goal, his 30th goal of this regular season, marking his 17th 30-goal regular season and tying him with ex-cap Mike Gartner for the most 30-goal regular seasons in NHL history. Uh, the only regular season in which Ovechkin has not scored 30 goals was the COVID-shortened 2020-2021 regular season in which he scored 24 goals in 45 games. So he clearly was on a 30-goal pace and then some that season. Uh, Also, Ovechkin's goal on Saturday night, his 400th career regular season home goal. Uh, He joined Wayne Gretzky, Gordie Howe, ex-cap Yaramir Yager, and ex-cap Mike Gartner as the only players in NHL history to score 400 career regular season home goals. We basically become numb to all of these Alex Ovechkin milestones, but they really are something. This is Ovechkin's age 37 season, and yet here we are, yet another 30-goal season. So the Capitals over the weekend played one game and lost, and the Wizards over the weekend played one game and lost. Uh, the Wizards fell to 18-25 and 25 with a 112-108 loss to the New York Knicks at Capital One Arena on Friday night. The Wizards early in the fourth quarter trailed by just one point at 80-79. Uh, the Wizards then allowed the Knicks to go on a 14-0 run for a 15-point Knicks lead at 94-79. Uh, the Wizards did cut that lead to two points in the final minute, but ultimately fell short. The Wiz now lost four of their last five games, and now are just 8-18 eight and 18 since a 10-7 and seven start. Uh, the Wizards were without two starters. So Bradley Beal did not play for a fourth consecutive game due to his low-grade left hamstring strain. Uh, the Wizards this past Thursday morning did tweet uh, that Beal had been cleared to resume full basketball activity, so he'll hopefully be back soon. Also, Monte Morris on Friday night did not play due to right hamstring soreness. The Wizards, though, got back Chris Dapps, Porzingis, and Daniel Gafford. Uh, Porzingis returned from a one-game absence caused by a right rib contusion. He, in the fourth quarter, scored 12 of the Wizards' 32 points. He, for the game, in 34 minutes, 32 seconds, as a starter, went 4 of 8 on threes, did go just 2 of 11 on twos. He also went 5 of 6 on free throws. He finished with 21 points and 4 rebounds. Uh, Daniel Gafford returned from a one-game absence caused by a sprained right ankle that he suffered in the 132-112 loss to the New Orleans Pelicans at Capital One Arena last Monday night, January 9th. But Gafford on Friday night played for just 16 minutes, 40 seconds as a starter. He took a Julius Randle forearm to the face on an N1 dunk. Uh, Gafford finished with six points and six rebounds, including three offensive boards. The Wizards on Friday night lost despite a monster game 
from Kyle Kuzma. Kuzma in the fourth quarter scored 18 of the Wizards' 32 points. He for the game in 40 minutes, five seconds as a starter, scored 40 points. Uh, he went 4 of 10 on threes, 10 of 17 on twos, and 8 of 9 on free throws. Also finished with seven rebounds and seven assists versus three turnovers. And so when it comes to why the Wizards lost the game, you start with this. They got annihilated in the paint. Uh, each team struggled on threes. The Wizards went just 13 of 42 on threes, uh, did hold the Knicks to just 8 of 29 on threes. Uh, neither team committed many turnovers. The Wizards committed just eight turnovers. The Knicks committed just seven turnovers. But the Wizards got outscored in the paint 50-28. This was Wizards head coach Wes Unsell Jr. during his postgame press conference on Friday night on the Wizards getting demolished in the paint. Yeah, um, you know, they're, they're going to play downhill. And we talked about the one-on-one piece, the offensive rebounding piece. Um, you know, it's all those layers that um, contribute to those you know points in the paint. But, you know, you get down 15, you're not shooting the ball well. You know, I was proud of the group that we were able to hang in there, get enough stops, make shots, you know, to at least make it a ball game and give ourselves a chance. Yeah, the Wizards had a chance, but uh, did not deliver on that chance. Uh, the Wizards in the paint went just 14-35. Also, the Wizards had a very hard time with Knicks point guard Jalen Brunson. 40 minutes, 23 seconds as a starter. He went 3-6 of six on threes, 9-18 of 18 on twos, and 7-7 seven of seven on free throws. He finished with 34 points, 8 assists versus 1 turnover, 8 rebounds, and a game-best plus-minus rating of plus 19. Also, Rui Hachimura had another bad game. Uh, 24 minutes, 41 seconds off the bench. He went just 1-7 of seven on threes and 3-7 of seven on twos. He finished with nine points and four rebounds. You know, Rui was playing well for a while, but he now, over his last four games, is just 2-14 of 14 on threes and just 11-30 on twos. He's slumping. Uh, next up for the Wizards, their annual home game on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Uh, the Wizards are home to the Golden State Warriors Monday afternoon at 3. And before we call it a show, some baseball for you. Major League Baseball's international signing period began on Sunday. Uh, will last through December 15th. Uh, yeah, the period is rather long, uh, 11 months long to be precise. Anyway, the Nationals on Sunday afternoon announced having agreed to terms with 14 international free agents, including 17-year-old outfielder Elian Soto, of the Dominican Republic. He is the brother of, yes, San Diego Padres right fielder and former Nats right fielder Juan Soto. Uh, the Orioles on Sunday afternoon announced, you ready for this? 27 contract agreements with international players, including 16-year-old shortstop Luis Almeida from the Dominican Republic, the highest paid international signee in club history. You know, one of the best things about the O's with Mike Elias as executive vice president and general manager is how he, uh, unlike previous O's executives, has been allowed by ownership, has been allowed by the Angelos family to spend money on the international market. Uh, this is a must in baseball today. Uh, additionally, Friday featured the deadline by which major league teams and their arbitration eligible players needed to agree on contracts or else the players needed to file for arbitration. Uh, just one arbitration eligible Nat 
did not reach a deal. Outfielder Victor Robles and just one arbitration-eligible Oriole did not reach a deal. Pitcher and ex-NAD Austin Vogt. And that will do it for you and me for now. Keep the feedback coming. You can tweet me at Al Galdi. You can email me, the Al Galdi podcast at yahoo.com. Tuesday show, episode 487. We'll have a lot more for you on the Commanders. We'll also talk Capitals, Wizards, and Georgetown basketball. The Caps are at the New York Islanders Monday night at 7.30. The Wizards are home to the Golden State Warriors Monday afternoon at 3. And the Hoyas are at Villanova Monday at noon. Have a great rest of your Monday, and I'll talk to you on Tuesday. I'm a little bit more process-oriented. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.